0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Green Through. Here today with us I am pleased to be joined by Lorenzo Conti, who happens to be the founder and CEO of an agritech startup called Krova. In a few words, Krover aims to reduce grain loss during long-term storage by mapping conditions inside the grain bulks. And uh, simply put, this occurs through the use and deployment of the world's first technology for locomotion in uh, bulk solids. That being said, Lorenz, I think it would be suitable to start with a little you know, introduction regarding your background and uh, you know, how you went about the, the founding of this uh, interesting project of yours.
1: Thank you, Eric. Really glad to be here in this exciting podcast. Um, my, uh, my journey as entrepreneur uh, started as I was finishing my PhD at the University of Edinburgh. Uh, where I I'd never thought about startups and entrepreneurship at that point. Um, and I, we discovered a kind of novel physical effect, which effectively, as you mentioned, uh, represents the first feasible method for locomotion bulk solids. So any system like uh, sand dunes, grain bolts, which is our focus right now, and, uh, and bulk powders, um, and then, you know, from there, we, uh, through advice from uh, the uh, startup people and kind of spin up people of the university, uh, we started looking into potential applications of that technology. And there was uh, several ideas at that time, uh, but we decided, after some professional market research of the top opportunities that we were considering, to focus on grain storage. Uh, as based on on our analysis uh, and that of these external parties, it was the one with the uh, kind of uh, most uh, short and medium-term, uh, both economic but also social and environmental impacts to be had.
0: Right, and in terms of the groundbreaking nature of this uh, application of um, you know of your studies, especially during your PhDs, was it something that you were looking at from? theoretical uh, perspective so you found in a book and then you're like oh wait a minute i think this is might be interesting applied to this um, to this context or was it during an experiment where you were like you know you had a, a a groundbreaking moment where you realized that you know this might you might be onto something it
1: was a combination of both uh, the phd was very theoretical and uh, kind of mathematical and simulation based uh, we're using a lot of the kind of high performance computing facilities of the University of Edinburgh where luckily we have the the top center in the UK for uh, for that um, and uh, I mean when, when you're simulating these type of systems there uh, these simulations are very computationally expensive Hence uh, why also we don't know too much about these systems I mean that's part of it uh, so because you need to simulate every single particle and you've got, you okay. know, three degrees of freedom for every single particle and you can't parallelize in terms of time as well, because you've got a history dependence. Right. Uh, but also because in the, in the you know, naturally occurring physical systems, you can't really look through a 3D granular system because, uh, you know, they, they're kind of solid particles and uh, right. light doesn't really get through. And even where it does, it gets diffracted kind of significantly. Um... So yeah, it was uh, you know it was a very theoretical PhD. I was kind of looking into different aspects of granular materials. Um, okay. So this discovery was a bit coincidental. Um, you know, one day I had a bit of uh, intuition. Uh, I mean, I would often have kind of crazy ideas, but usually they would not work or, you know, they wouldn't really lead to nothing. Um, so I was, uh, you know, I was also at the point where my my supervisor was, you know, uh, j- just focus on the core project because we're running out of time, uh, you know, stop coming up with new ideas. So I had to kind of uh, hide a bit from him also <laughs> uh, the, the fact that I was, uh, you know, was still considering other ideas. And uh, yeah, I had this kind of theoretical concept. I uh, ran the simulations, and uh, uh, because when you do simulations, you, you know, you always want to make sure that there's nothing wrong with them right. uh, and, and the results are actually correct. Then I also uh, set up some uh, pretty rudimentary uh, experiments in, uh, in my living room. <laughs> um, <laughs> we also had a moment where, you know, like, uh, my landlord uh, walked in and he saw like white powder on the ground and he thought there had been a big party going on but it was actually <laughs> silica sand uh, that i was using for the experiments That's and funny. and, uh, and yeah uh, i mean they both kind of uh, were showing uh very similar things um he was actually doing uh, part of what i was expecting but for different reasons that i was expecting okay. uh and, and more uh okay. so there, there were parts of the effect that i hadn't really foreseen um so it, it actually ended up being even more useful than, than i would have thought um so initially i just kind of expected something that would kind of go up but then okay. by running the experiments and simulation realized that there was also a horizontal component of the motion and also that we could get it move to move the uh the other way uh okay. under a certain parametric combinations
0: amazing so and uh in terms of um Progress and development. Ever since you had, let's uh, just say, uh, let's move from your living room where you're, you know, doing rudimentary applications and and trials. How? Where are you at now? And you know, um, how are you able to um, collect data uh, through uh, given grain at this point in time?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, it was quite a long process because this all started around, uh, if I'm not mistaken, around two thousand seventeen. Uh so there was you know that living room phase was quite was quite long <laughs> um uh, especially since you know like I said earlier I I knew nothing about startups I started attending you know training programs uh, from uh, from the university um, and, you know, uh, receiving advice from different organizations. We also started working towards, like, a, a patent filing. Uh, so, okay. really, that initial market research and, you know, narrowing down the market that we wanted to tackle. Right. Uh, but also, uh, you know, getting the patent filing done were kind of the, the initial uh, milestones, really. Uh, and then after that, I would say kind of the next big step was really kind of starting to put together a team. I kind right. of realized... Uh, I mean, I did try to do everything on my own to begin with. I uh, realized about kind of one year into that. it that it was, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was not, it was absolutely not possible, especially because, you know, uh, we, we've been trying ever since to build a, a pretty complicated pro- uh, product that involves uh, a lot of different expertise. Uh, um, and so, you know, I started looking for, uh, for a co founder. I was lucky enough to meet Artyom, who's our technical director now. Uh, although you know that was uh, quite a long process because, especially at those early stages, it's, it's really hard to find someone who's uh, who's That's a right fit you. and uh, who's also yeah, yeah as crazy as me, even crazier if anything in in some aspects. But uh, you know that that is also complementary. You know you don't want someone who uh, who's just like you, who's your mirror. But if anyone thinks someone that is as different as as possible from you, but that you can still work together.
0: Absolutely, and uh, so. If you could, what can I say in a few words and as uh, non-engineering as possible? How does your product look, and how does it operate in a few words? Let's just say hypothetical terms that I'm a, I'm a farmer. I'm interested in uh, what can I say maximizing and optimizing the efficiency of uh, my grain bulk for the um, for the long term. Yes. Uh, if how, how you know how, how do I go about um, tackling this issue with Crover?
1: Yes, so uh, I mean the system that we've been building now, so we started off from that kind of uh um, subterranean drone, or we, as we call it, a crowver because there's really no dictionary word for that. Right. Uh, as it is effective, the words first. Um, we started, you know, with building the device, but then we moved to kind of turning that uh, the single robot into a grain storage monitoring and then management system. Right. Uh, so the version that we've been developing so far, mostly focusing is on uh, uh, measuring. Uh, uh, temperature, and moisture, as it okay. uh, swims, as we say, through the bulk of the grains. Uh, so basically, it moves through uh, most of the the grain bulk, and uh, and measures temperature, and moisture as it's moving through. Uh, also, because of the localization data that we gather, is able to um, to provide kind of um, you know volume uh, data. Uh, so kind of stock levels um, in, a, in a fairly kind of accurate manner. Um, and we've also uh, been working for a few months in collaboration with the Agri EpiCenter um, and the East Farmers on a, a sampling uh, a feature of the system right. uh, because we were getting a lot of, uh, you know, there was really one of the most requested features if not the most requested one uh, as there are a lot of uh, kind of specialized type of measurements that you need to do for different types of grains, uh, be it protein content or mycotoxins uh, or free fatty acids that uh, generally you can't measure in situ directly uh, in the grains uh, so okay. you usually need to take them to a lab and then measure them there um, and also because you need to kind of keep a, a sort of sample to to prove to uh to your buyer or other person in the kind of supply chain uh, what quality uh you've had in there in, in case someone comes back uh, you know uh with, with a rejection
0: absolutely so um you're telling me that in terms of what can i say response from the market and demand um there is uh, quite the appetite for a standardized solution in Crower in the sense that you know, whatever my type of grain would be, I need access to my own customized and tailored set of metrics that, you know, Krover eventually would be able to uh, accommodate, right?
1: Yeah, that, that's part of the kind of, uh, you know, some of the following phases of, of development. I mean, as you mentioned, kind of uh, expanding the type of sensorial data that we provide uh, also, uh, you know, providing advice through the, um, through the data, using it to predict also things in the future, right. uh, recommending what you should like do depending analysis, on, a, on a certain right. problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean that uh, that is still kind of much into the future too. I mean, we started this summer doing the first kind of uh, data science type of analysis on the on the data through right. through an intern that we had this summer, and we've got some uh, some more people coming out in the next months that uh, will do some more of that work. Uh, but at the moment, we've been focusing on on getting the the first. Uh, Uh, version of the device of the the monitoring and uh, um, and also you know I mentioned monitoring but also it provides some level of mixing of the grain as it's moving through so we've been uh, trying to get that first version really robust enough and ready Uh, and uh, yeah we're going to be starting the first pilots in the next months with some partners in uh, in the UK and and in Italy Uh, so both of of us have uh, kind of deep uh, roots and connections both in the UK and in Italy which is uh, uh, I guess that just kind of happened a bit naturally Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah we're really looking forward to that and building case studies and then uh, uh, you know um, hopefully getting the the system ready kind of towards the end of next year to to scale up and uh, welcome more partners on board
0: sounds extremely interesting and in terms of the um, uh, the actual operation of how Krover works, you must also rely on um, on a system, right? In the sense that you have the sensor, which I believe is sort of, uh, for the listener, shaped like uh, an American football or like a small rugby ball in a way, right? Uh,
1: yeah, in a way. Um, I mean, we have uh, various versions of the prototype. We have the one that uh, you see kind of in most of the, the publicly facing media, which is uh, obviously quite outdated. Uh, because that, that's the one that we rela- released after some IP kind of filings in right. September last year, uh, and then since then, kind of the the shape have, has been changing a bit. But yeah, because the movement of the Crover is based on uh, you know what we're starting to call now the Crover effect. So right. uh, really, that, that effect that we discovered that if you're rotating something in, in granular Media, that creates uh, you know motion of the device uh, through a sort of liquefied. Uh, layer of, of grain, right. um, then, uh, yeah, that, uh, you know, that sort of American football type of shape that you're describing is uh uh, it's the most common one uh, really because you, you need uh, rotation and a kind of circular cross-section to, to have the most kind of efficient type of setup.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be completely honest with you. The first thing I thought is that it looks like the the Vortex. I don't know if you know that that game, the one that you throw into the air and it makes that noise <laughs> as it spins. So um, Yeah. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask you, so in terms of, so you know, you have this, let's just say uh, American football shaped sensor going through your your grain bulk, as a as a farmer, how am I able to monitor these parameters? Is it done by you guys, and then you sort of um, uh, format it and you know provide it in such a in such a in such a blueprint that a given farmer would understand it, or would you know a given farmer have an iPad, Clover app, and is then able to you know look at the temperature and moisture of their bulk and make. Uh, um, their decisions accordingly.
1: Yeah, so uh, we've been building like a system as complete as possible uh, because we realized that um, a large number of uh, of customers wouldn't really know what to do with the data or the robo if we just provided that to them. So that's why we talk about a system. Uh, there is a companion app, uh, as you correctly mentioned. It is a web based app, so it can work on any kind of uh, you know internet connected uh, device really. Uh, that visualizes kind of a 3d map of uh, the the data collected by CROVER as well as a summary of the different green storage units and site the one is uh, and also an historical plot of how uh, those conditions have uh, have changed over time uh, so to, to help uh, you know uh, green storage operators really uh, determine what to do uh, what to do at that point also the the system sends a uh, notification if um, temperature moisture values exceed a safe threshold uh so you know because you you might not be logging into your app all the time but you want to know as soon as possible when something might potentially be going wrong Um, so usually the user flow would be you get a notification if something is wrong you log into the app uh you you check the the more detailed graphs to uh you know to determine Uh, whether you should do something about it or not, or how much time you might have to to do something. Um, Because usually, I mean, uh, a big part of the tool is like helping people identify problems in the early onset. Uh, A big downside of the current systems is that you usually only detect a problem when it's too late. Uh, But infestations like pests, you know, like moles and insects, they... Uh, I mean i 'll make the example of grain weevils, which is the most common type of uh, of grain pest. They have an average incubation time of eight weeks uh, okay. so you potentially have enough time to do something about it if you know early that there is an environment where they they can potentially grow uh The right. problem is that you don't usually know until it is too late
0: yeah, absolutely and um, I think the more I sort of familiarize myself with the, what Crow is trying to achieve, and I think you know, on the platform, we've had plenty of you know entrepreneurs and and the founders where you know they're trying through their groundbreaking you know product offering to educate um, customers and you know uh, explain to them the benefits associated with their with their solution, whatever the context. But in this instance, for Krover, it's completely different, right? Because you're providing a service where the farmers know what they're doing, right? But they're just missing that. Um, signal, which you guys are providing. So you're not necessarily um, teaching them anything. If anything, you're accommodating and tailoring and customizing your solution to their parameters, say, I don't know, I need not only temperature and moisture, I also need these other parameters. I think that, you know what I mean, that uh, other side of the coin in terms of what you're trying to do is uh, is quite fascinating.
1: Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, they're uh, one of the hardest parts of developing a kind of commercial system uh, has been the um, grain storage operators like different grain storage operators. They tend to do things very, very differently. Right. Um, and especially because we've been focusing so far mostly on uh, what some people call horizontal storage, basically sheds okay. uh, filled with grain, um, rather than uh, you know rather than silos. Uh, mostly because there's less health and safety concerns, and uh, you know the, the certification process would be easier for those. Right. Um, the uh, you know, th- those are even more different because while silos can be very standardized uh, in terms of you know size and shape, um, you know, sheds are generally kind of custom made, uh, uh type of you know engineering structures, right? So, um, and, and on top of that, you know, people deal with their grain storage operations very differently, they have their own system. Uh, so we've been trying to develop a a system that can take into account the requirements of as wide a variety of uh, green storage operators as we can. Um, at the same time, we have been focusing on uh, um, people that deal with centralized green storage operations. Okay. Um, so not uh, not so much farmers for now. Uh, and the main reason for that is, I mean, there's many reasons to it. But uh, <laughs> one is that uh, farmers are very price sensitive. Uh, so they're not kind of the, the most economic um, type of initial target customer for us although uh, we're doing tests with uh, quite a few of them uh, b- because it's uh, it's much easier to test with farmers than with uh, you know oh, yeah. sites with a, with a million uh, health and safety rules <laughs> uh, but uh, but also, um because they tend to store only their own stuff for short periods of time so small quantities as well uh and they don't you know uh hence the there's kind of less of a need for for this type of system uh i mean there's still a big need but um kind of in economic terms is uh, uh is less kind of motivated that uh, as compared to large industrial sites where you have many grain storage units with large quantities that are storing for third parties um, and uh, which are usually grain merchants port operators and, uh, and cooperatives right. um, but again you know these type of business also tend to be quite different When we're talking about the platform, uh, you usually have two main types. You have the guys that uh, um, don't have too much digitization in place, and hence they need that platform to be able to use the system. And then you have the guys that have uh, highly sort of automated uh, SCADA type of systems uh, where, you know, they actually... Don't want the platform itself, but they just want an API to kind of feed uh, our data into their existing system and the rest of their operations. Um, so, you know, that, that's just an example of like the, the things that we had to kind of ac- accommodate in building the system.
0: Right. And um, that's very interesting, right? And um, also, I wanted to ask you, and you briefly touched upon it at the beginning of the call, where, you know, you had the idea and then you sort of did your homework with regards to the commercial application and. The, the eventual attractiveness, the solution that you would have come up with would have had on the market. Uh, I wanted to ask you, what are, you know, why grain storage and what are some of the main inefficiencies, especially seeing that we're heading towards uh, a period in history where, you know, there will be uh, ever more uh, unpredictability with regards to the climate and uh, a growing number of heads. So, you know, food systems are paramount. And are going to become ever more paramount going forward, especially with inefficiencies, if there are some that could be, you know, uh, tackled.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, this is probably like a common trend in the food system, but there's always like certain parts of the the supply chain that get more media attention and then people end up kind of focusing on uh, more. In the case of the grain supply chain, obviously there's still a lot of inefficiencies uh, in the field and at the end of the the chain, you know, like kind of the kind of consumer end. uh, But if we focus on, uh, you know, on the post-harvest and pre-shelves part of the chain, uh, grain storage is still the one with the kind of highest, highest losses. Uh, And cities are a massive bottleneck in that uh, kind of grain grain supply chain. Uh, So, you know, we, uh, there's always, there's often talk about increasing production to satisfy a growing population and improving, uh, you know, the food quality by just kind of growing more crops um, and then kind of, you know, throwing away the ones that aren't so good. But um, if anything, we we actually have a lot of produce that goes wasted in the middle of that supply chain and in particular in the, the grain storage phase right. that uh, we could potentially save uh, and then you know, uh, increase the amount of food and, and also the quality of food that uh, goes at the end of the chain. Um, so yeah, we were really trying to kind of help uh, help the system by making sure that uh, you know almost every single grain uh, turns into nutritious food at the end.
0: Right, and in terms of uh, apologies, but this is, might come from an ignorant standpoint. But in terms of the actual physical storage, right? Uh, can it be found everywhere? In terms of, or you know, are there? Um, I would imagine that the grain as a, as a type of uh, harvest is more suitable for a given, uh, what can I say, mild climate, right? Slightly warmer, but not too cold or not too warm. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, where are, where are the main facilities found on a global scale? And, uh, you know, if they're found in within developing economies, uh, how do you envision, let's just say, um, in five years' time, how you know Krover as a as an easy and digestible solution could also be appealing to um, such a market.
1: Uh, yes, there are uh, there are a lot of uh, you know geographic differences uh, in the type of grain that is stored. Uh, but also in the type of uh, green storage units that you might find and kind of who manages those. Um, a lot of it is kind of down to uh, local policies, but also kind of historical reasons. Um, so, you know, for instance, uh, in, uh, in Europe, kind of private green storage is more common Uh, But then you go to, like, uh, you know, some uh, Eastern Europe or, like, also some African countries where you have uh, a lot of kind of centralized uh, government storage, also in the Middle East. Um, In particular, when you go to countries with uh, high political instability, uh, they tend to have, you know, uh, huge facilities for kind of, uh, you know, buffer storage that often doesn't even get used, but it's just right. kind of there in the case of some, uh, you know, some uh, Emergency. <laughs> uh, war kind of, you know, uh, political unstable event. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we focus just on kind of the, the more private and commercial side of things... Uh, um, there, you know, in some countries, uh, on-farm storage is more prevalent than others. If we look at the UK, uh, off-farm storage is actually higher than, than on-farm storage, which is also, you know, when I was talking earlier about one of the reasons why we focus on off-farm storage, um, and if, also oh, you mean in not not
0: next to the business, right? Is that what you mean? Sorry for the listeners, or on-farm, off-farm.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. So I mean, uh, on farm we usually mean kind of uh, storage owned by the farmers on the farm okay. itself, and off farm we usually mean in a in a kind of site that is separate from the farm itself, and oh, usually it is a, a kind of centralized grain storage site. Um, yeah. Also, you know, we we have like the two main types of grain storage uh, units. You've got um, you know sheds or kind of that are basically warehouses filled with grain. Uh, sometimes we're kind of dividing walls in between, um, just kind of uh, almost like an open plan type of thing, really, um, just entirely filled <laughs> with green. And uh, and then you go silos, which are instead, you know, the the, the cylindrical circular. type of yeah, structures circular, right. that you might have seen.
0: And um, I think one of the concluding points, and I think one of what can I say, uh, reasons why I um, I really gravitated towards the ambition and vision at Krova. In uh, given again where we're heading, um, do you think if you could boil it down to the T, why do you think what is the main feature that uh, would make Krover you know um, a solution that is so so after in a market that is you know filled with the gaps and inefficiencies at this point in time?
1: Yes. Um... So we we decided to start with grain storage uh, monitoring and, and mixing because we realized that there wasn't anything else out there that could pinpoint uh, where you got a problem and identify it in the early onset. Uh, and that's what we're calling kind of stage one of the the Crover, uh the one we, that we're kind of trying to deploy now. Um, then stage two is that sampling system that I was talking about, uh, and then the the kind of the, the um, the, the even bigger target is uh, what we're calling stage three, which is topical intervention. Right. Um, so basically addressing a problem locally where you've identified and kind of sending the local robot to to take care of that problem. Because right now, if you've got a problem, you got to act on the entire bulk, and right. you know we're talking about you know uh, hundreds or thousands of tons uh, in, uh, in most cases. Um, so you know, uh, moving that amount is, uh, is usually expensive. You also end up mixing the good stuff with the bad stuff <laughs> uh, and then often like even just spreading that, uh, that problem. Um, so, you know, it would be much more efficient to, to kind of be able to address the problem locally. Also, one of the, if not the biggest cost of running uh, grain stores right now is the energy cost for cooling and aeration. Uh, and right now, if you even if you've got a, you know a hotspot in uh, one meter cubed, uh, you gotta you know you gotta cool down the entire thing, uh, and create the whole thing. So um, so it's not it's not very efficient. So uh, yeah, we're really trying to develop a, a kind of complete uh, grain storage management system, um, and uh, yeah, the, eventually you know once we get there. Uh, that's really the point where we see that you know it, it would become uh, essential for any grain storage operator to uh, to have uh, to have a Krover uh, but you know we're starting from the monitoring and mixing side of things and there's really a lot of interest from that um, so that's uh, we've got our hands already quite busy with uh, that
0: I'm sure I'm sure and uh, in terms of one of the latest developments uh, would you be so kind to walk me through you know what's happened with the most recent um, crowdfunding round and you know what do you uh, aim to achieve or you know do within the next um, quarters with uh, with uh, with such a sum you know to further uh, develop um Krover and its reach
1: yeah thank you eric uh, so indeed we uh, recently um you know, r- run our first uh, equity funding campaign. Uh, we did it through uh, CrowdCube, which is the leading kind of equity crowdfunding platform in uh, in the UK, um, and that was uh, that was pretty successful. We started with a uh, with a target for the campaign of 150 thousand pounds. And we closed the campaign uh, with uh, 337,000 pounds pledged from uh, over 570 investors. Uh, A lot of, you know, very nice value-added ones, which is also one of the reasons that we were looking from it. Um, So, you know, I just want to... Give a shout out to all the people that kind of uh, you know decided to join our mission and, and and believe in us, and we hope to kind of celebrate future successes with all of them.
0: Speaks volumes about also the the how you know not only the the truthfulness and you know of your vision, and but also you know how it's perceived from the market, right? Because otherwise, people wouldn't necessarily um, put not only the money but also their trust in uh, in the long term. Development and progress of your product, right?
1: Yeah, um, I think. I mean, one of the nice things of the campaign was that there was there were also a few a few farmers and people in the grain uh, in the grain sector uh, that aired about it through the campaign. So it was a it was a nice marketing kind of tool right, uh, right, as right, well, right. Uh, to going through that exercise. Um, and you know, they they wanna you know that they, they've been asking to, to do things with us. So hopefully, we'll be able to to work with them as well soon. Uh, but yeah, that's something that also we were we started doing since pretty early uh, because we wanted to make sure that we wouldn't be wasting our time on kind of the wrong things. Uh, we we spent a lot of time kind of going around and talking to as many green search operators as we we could, uh, you know, gauging their interests, but also um, getting feedback from them because uh, we had uh, you know as, as it always happens in these cases, uh, you start off with an idea of a product uh, that um you know maybe doesn't perfectly match the the customer need and and what they're looking for uh so you know we've been listening to them uh, and trying to uh to kind of fit both the technical abilities and make them you know match as close as possible to to what people really are looking for and, and what they need and uh um, yeah that's been massively helpful in the in the product development as well getting kind of that that insight from from people that have been doing these things for for all their life really
0: amazing so I wanted to you know congratulate you again not only on the successful latest round of financing that you're able to achieve but also on you know the work that you've been able to do to date and you know best of luck with all your future endeavors and you know um as a concluding point is that something that you'd like to bring? To people's attention now that it's the, um, an opportunity for you.
1: Uh, maybe just to follow Eric's podcast uh, green through <laughs> on uh, both Spotify and, and LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> You're too kind. But uh, honestly, Lorenzo, grazie mille. Thank you very much, and you know, best of luck with everything going forward.
1: Thank you, Eric. It was a pleasure to be here.